We're back on Locked On Coyotes, a special edition of Locked On Coyotes. It is Championship Sunday for the Premier Hockey Federation. Two teams will be fighting for the East Bell Cup right here in Tempe, Arizona at the Mullet Arena. We're going to preview that game all on today's episode. Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Robin Leonio. That's Carl Pavlak right beside me. We have a special guest on today's episode, Angelica Rodriguez of the Ice Garden, covering the Premier Hockey Federation to get us ready for a special game tonight as we welcome the Premier Hockey Federation into our hometown of Tempe, Arizona. How are you doing, Angelica? I'm great. It is a sunny Sunday over here, and uh, I'm, I'm dealing uh, a little bit with planning around the time difference. But other than that, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, the time difference is always a killer, um, and we have it from the opposite end. So, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of, like, 5 p.m. games, and it's just like, oh, I gotta, I got to make this my life now. Yeah, it's like kind of planning around work and, and all the other stuff. I mean, um, for NHL uh, loyalties, I'm an Avs fan, so I fully understand where you guys are coming from. A lot of 9 p.m. starts over here, and it's like, oh, God, I'm an old lady. I can't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> like when we have to do an 8 p.m. start because they're in California, daylight savings weird, I'm just like, oh, this is too late. Eight? <laughs> Why are yeah. why are they doing this to me? But oh yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, to me, it beats the four p.m. four p.m. times, which I'm not even back from work yet. So fair, very fair. <laughs> but you know, let's go ahead and get into get into this um, first. Let's just get to know um, you know what to expect from this game, and you know these two teams. Uh, we have the uh, two teams: the Minnesota Whitecaps and the uh, Toronto Six. Um, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's just, let's just get into those teams to start off with kind of like, let us know about, you know, the back, the, you know, who the, who these two teams are and why they're in the championship. Yeah. So, um, well, first off, um, for those of you who are unaware, the Premier Hockey Federation is, is comprised of seven teams started in 2015-2016 with four, those being Buffalo, Boston, uh, Connecticut, and uh, New York, now metropolitan to reflect the tri-state area. Um, and then in 20, I believe it was 2019, 2018, I believe. Um, it was, yes, it was, uh, 2018, 2019, the Minnesota Whitecaps became the first expansion team. Um, they actually predate the PHF, then known as the National Women's Hockey League. Um, I was talking a little bit about this, uh, with you, with, uh, you both earlier, but, uh, the, the, um, Minnesota Whitecaps actually were part of another league from about 2004 to about 2011 when it dissolved as the Western Women's Hockey League. Um, and they 
were able to survive that dissolution of that league and they were pretty much barnstorming up until they joined the then NWHL. So they joined that league um, or they joined this league. Uh, I believe it was the very first season <laughs> that they joined. They actually uh, won the Isabel Cup that year. Um, so they are a team that has won um you know, both an Isabel Cup and a Clarkson Cup, the Clarkson Cup being the trophy that they pr- uh, previously um, competed for alongside, I believe it was the West Women's Hockey League versus the Canadian Women's Hockey League, if I'm not mistaken. It's a lot of murky history surrounding that. But anyway, um, it's comprised of a lot of, uh, you know, Minnesota area uh players. Uh, it was founded by two dads in Minnesota, Jack Brot and uh, I believe Dwayne Schmidtgall was the other one. Um, they wanted a place for their daughters to be able to play and it turned into what we know today is um, they have, um, they were kind of the black horse coming into this competition or the dark horse coming into this competition, black horse. Wow. That is a total drag race reference for anybody who watches drag race, Jasmine Fox, total Jasmine Fox moment. But, um, the, they're the dark horse coming into this playoffs. Um, this is the first year that the semifinals had a best of three series. And, uh, so, uh, well, first year since I believe the inaugural season. Um, so the Whitecaps were up against the number one seeded Boston Pride. And Boston was the two time back to back Isabel Cup champions, uh, last year and the year prior in, uh, 2021. And they were pretty much the favorites to win. And Minnesota was like, no. Uh, so they actually swept Boston in two games. Uh, Amanda Levier, uh, the starting goaltender there, pretty much the backbone of the Minnesota Whitecaps, uh, played out of her mind. I think she faced something like 77 shots total over two games and just was unbelievable. Um, they got some really good scoring from, you know, all of their lines. Uh, another player, Jonna Albers, um, who, uh, is just electric to watch, um, you know, stepped up and really had an amazing series as well. So um, that's kind of how they they, they kind of came in as an underdog, even though they have been to the final before and they've won. Um, they actually are kind of the underdogs here, especially because, you know, the back half of the regular season, they really weren't winning. Um, you know, they were taking teams to overtime. They were, uh, you know, trying their best, but they weren't scoring. They weren't winning. And now all of a sudden it's like they got this second wind and uh, that's how they ended up in the final. Now, uh, on the other hand, we have the Toronto Six. The Toronto Six are the second expansion team for the uh, National Women's Hockey League. So we have two expansion teams playing in the final, which is really cool. Um, and uh, they actually joined in the year um, that the then NWHL had the bubble, which was um, a single site season in Lake Placid, New York. And this was kind of during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. So they had one site. They played at the Olympic rink, Four Brooks Olympic rink over in um, uh, Lake Placid. And uh, they were kind of, they're a team that is very interesting because they didn't necessarily follow the, um, traditional like expansion team 
type of, um, you know, I think you can kind of uh, think of them akin to like the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL, where like they actually had a lot of success, a lot of success out of the gate. Um, and they were, you know, scoring goals left and right. And they had an amazing goaltender in Elaine Shuley, who is still playing uh, for them. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, they were kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride in their, you know, up until this point. Uh, they had a lot of success in the regular season, but weren't necessarily able to make it over the hump to get to the final, um, until this year. And, uh, this year was actually a little bit interesting because they had lost um, a big part of their offense in Michaela Grant-Mentis, who signed with Buffalo. Um, then uh, they were kind of up and down with regards to just their overall play. Um, they would have games where they would completely dominate. And then, you know, they would also have games where against those same teams where it would be a much closer result. Um, you know, their offense was always really top tier, but their defense has kind of been something that they were struggling with. Um, and head coach Geraldine Haney, who this is her first season coaching the team has been stressing, um, from that point forward, I guess you could say kind of the midpoint of the season going forward, team defense. So um, they faced off in the semifinals against the Connecticut Whale. And uh, that series went three games. So uh, the Connecticut Whale, again, another really, really high octane team. That series really could have gone either way. But in the end, um, Toronto was able to really pull up with their defense. Uh, Elaine Shuley played lights out in game three, um, pitched a shutout, three nothing. And now they're in the final for the first time ever. Um, and it's really exciting. You know, Toronto's a really fun team in that, um, you know, they can, if they get the start that they want, they can really, really dominate. And uh, it'll be really interesting um, to see what happens in this final, just because these are two teams that, um, you know, one was a little bit more expected to make it to the final than the other. But both of these teams are kind of realizing like, okay, like at this point, it is, you know, we got to leave everything on the table. And you have Toronto, who is right on the cusp, and they're kind of smelling blood in the water, and they want to finish it off after get getting so close so many times. And then you have Minnesota, who, you know, they're the underdogs. They're the, the team that nobody really expected to make it this far. And it's almost like they have nothing to lose. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see the dynamic between those two teams. Yeah, it's awesome to hear because I think uh... – you know, like, it's it's great to hear that background and hear the two teams, like, you know, you have a team that's been there before, like you said, and but, like, didn't expect to make it this year. And a team that's, you know, that's never made it before. I think it's it's good to see something like that. And I think it, you said you said two expansion teams. Of course, we've mm-hmm. seen, um, you know, the uh, the growth of uh, the, uh, you know, women the uh, of the league in the, uh, the PHF. And you're seeing... You know the increased talent that we're getting there. I mean, it's just, just like like to see just the growth in women's sports in general. I think to see you see like two expansion teams do something like that. I think you'd love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also speaks to just how much talent there is in the league. I mean, you know, these two teams made it, but honestly, 
the parody of the PHF is something that um, I've been really, really happy to see for a while. You know, even some of the teams that were a little lower down who missed the playoffs this year, um, you know, it was a top four uh, of seven teams. So three teams did miss the playoffs. Those being Buffalo, Montreal, who was the very newest expansion team and uh, Metropolitan Rivers. So those three teams also, I mean, even Buffalo, who unfortunately, (laughs) that's the team I cover, and they unfortunately were at the bottom of the standings, but even they had some really good games, some really flashes of brilliance. They held Toronto to the ropes. They, you know, were able to get within striking distance of Boston at one point during games. They took them to overtime, you know. So there are such talented players on every single team, and you know, being able to see, again, uh, if anybody saw that series between Connecticut and Toronto, it really could have gone either way. At the end of the day, I mean, Toronto really buckled down and was like, no, we're not losing this third game. We are taking it all the way. And the way they were able to stifle them in the, uh, the whale in the end was amazing. But the Connecticut whale are another team, you know, they're pretty much perennial contenders at this point they were on the cusp and they were able to push them to that third game um and it's just being able to see so many teams you know any team on any given night can take it which makes a one game final really interesting because it does give you that pause like okay Toronto is a very dominant team but they can have a slow start Minnesota on the other hand they know this and they can really, you know, take it to Toronto. And if they get the right things together, if they, you know, get the right, uh, you know, offense clicking and Levier performs the way she does and the team defense is able to help her see all those shots, they may just take it. So it's just really, really interesting. Um, when uh, Eric Ayala and I were recording our spaces last night for the Founding Four podcast, which we host, um, we were talking about it. Like, we really don't know. It could go either way. Um, you know, so it's it's really fun to see that kind of um, dynamic between all seven teams um, you know, they're all so talented and, and they all have so so much, you know, there's always, there's something positive and something fun to look at in each team. Absolutely love to hear it. We're talking of Angela Rodriguez of the Ice Garden as we preview the Isabel Cup coming tonight at the Mold Arena right here in Arizona. We're going to get to uh, more of the game in just a bit, but first we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And today's episode is brought to you by a product I use every day, AG1 by Athletic Greens. Maybe you're like me. You want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case of AG1. Just one delicious scoop of AG1 in a glass of water each day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you get your day started right. This special blend of special ingredients supports your gut health and your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all those things that are really important to you. It can be hard and expensive to keep track of multiple different supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach. AG1 costs less than $3 a day, so you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one 
a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's continue this episode. And Angelica, I want to take a step aside for a sec. Quick, a couple of different things. Uh, first, like, because... This all goes together in some ways. So this is, as I think we just mentioned, the second time that this these guys, the uh, PHF, is going to a neutral site. Last year they went to Florida. This year they're in Arizona. Um, do you know the goal behind deciding to go to neutral sites? Um, I think that ultimately the goal for the PHF is just to kind of get eyes in different places. Um, uh, I think for the last few seasons now the idea has been expansion and the idea has been really kind of tapping into new markets um trying to see where it would best you know benefit them to put a team um you know last year the um isabel cup playoffs in general both semifinal quarter semis and finals if that i believe so yes um all of them were in um uh, Florida and Tampa. And, uh, that was again, another market that we had never really, um, you know, seen them participate in before. Um, but this has kind of been a trend with them, even if the playoffs weren't necessarily at a neutral site, uh, all-star games definitely were, um, there have been all-star games in, uh, Pittsburgh uh, in Nashville, in Minnesota, prior to the Whitecaps coming into the league. Uh, so I think it's really just an, uh, an opportunity to provide those kind of markets who maybe have never seen women's hockey and may be interested in it, or even just local interest, you know, to be able to see what the PHF is all about. And I also think it's, you know, something that is fun for the players too. The players, you know, especially, you know, the past two years have been in warmer climates for March. So, you know, being able to get a little bit of sun and being able to also, um, you know, especially this season, being in an NHL uh, arena is, is really cool. Even, you know, uh, ideas about uh, mullet arena aside, it is still an NHL arena, and it is uh, it's something that I know quite a few players are, are really really um, excited about. So, has there been a pushback from the fan base? Um, because I know I mm -hmm. am a maskus, and I read the comments on Twitter sometimes, like a stupid person. Um, and I did see some complaints um, from people who were like. It's in two weeks. I don't. I can't travel to support the team. Uh, like the announcement did seem like kind of like soon for it. So has there been kind of like a push for either earlier announcements or just maybe closer to where the the teams are based? Um. Yes, and not just from fans, but you know, from media as well. Um, I think it's important to note that a lot of women's hockey media, uh, they don't do this full time. We we are not full time hockey reporters. We have day jobs. We have uh commitments in our own hometowns and in our own cities. And uh there is a lot to consider when going to cover an event. Um, you know, for example, 
I went up in January um, to Toronto for the All-Star Game. And that was convenient for me because I live just right by the Peace Bridge. I'm less than two hours away from downtown Toronto. I can make that trip easily. Um, this, however, when you're making this announcement with two and a half weeks to go, um, it is a lot more complicated and people have to scramble and you're talking about not just media, not just players, but players' families, fans who want to see it, staff who also have day jobs and who will now need to, you know, worry about taking vacation time or making alternate arrangements. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And this is a situation that we've kind of faced for the past couple of seasons now with the PHF, um, I think that it's still something that needs to be worked on from a logistical standpoint in terms of making these announcements sooner, being able to give the media who've been covering them year round the opportunity to make arrangements, giving fans who have been there the opportunity to make arrangements. I think that with the PHF, they have a lot of ideas for innovation, but sometimes in order to push for innovation and push for uh, new um, milestones, they sometimes neglect the basics. Um, and I think that is uh, that can be said for a lot of, you know, sports, a lot of leagues. It could be said for uh, any start, you know, startup. I mean, we're still in the first decade of this league's existence. So with that being said, and with them pushing for so much growth uh with expansion teams with salaries with these new mar these new um sites for uh playoffs and all-star games and and finals with all of that being said you also need to kind of keep your eye on okay like we're doing all of this but we need to do it in a way that benefits the people who have been there and you know also um gives the players the best opportunity to shine um because you look at it in terms of, you know, if fans can't make it because it was announced two and a half weeks earlier, it won't matter if, you know, if uh, it's being played in an NHL arena, if, you know, nobody's there to see it. So not necessarily thinking that that's going to be the case. I think that there is enough, you know, publicity and enough, um, you know, interest around this that I think it'll be, oh, I think it'll be great. I think it's still going to be a wonderful experience for the players, but um, there are definitely things that need improvement with regards to communication and organization. Um, and the, um, we just created the professional hockey writers association finally just completed, uh, you know, created a women's hockey chapter um, of a lot of longtime women's hockey reporters, myself being one of them. And we are looking to kind of, you know, discuss that over the course of the next you know, few months heading into season nine, you know, about, uh, you know, access and, you know, relations and things of that nature. Obviously, we only have so much that we can talk about uh, with that, you know, uh, organization is something that they'll have to figure out on their end. But in terms of the actual, um, uh, you know, announcements and communications, um, I definitely think that there'll be a, a big focus for us going forward. You know, one of the things that, um, that I'm appreciating to see from, from this entire weekend, um, is, you know, I was, you know, I, I, you know, on this show, I, we're huge on, you know, going the game of hockey specifically here in Arizona. Um, and 
you know, I see that, you know, some of these players are getting a chance to meet with Arizona Kachinas players. Arizona Kachinas is the girls program that's run by Lindsay Fry. We had Lindsay Fry on last year. She talked about the growth of that program. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, sh- I, I'm sure we're going to see a bunch of um, Arizona Kachinas, you know, players and family at this, at, at, at the game tonight. Um, but, you know, to see something like, you know, to, to, to have all this together, it's, I think it's great for the growth of the game here and the growth of the game everywhere because you're just seeing, you know, you're just trying to, you know, bring up uh, women and girls hockey as in any other way you can. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Um, absolutely. I think that, uh, and the players want that, right? The players are, are so eager to be able to, um, you know, kind of go back to, I guess, not necessarily the roots, but definitely, um, you know, be able to, um, to be able to connect with youth players and to be able to connect with the community wherever they're at, um, I think is always a big deal. I mean, you ask any of, you know, any given player on any given day and they're, they'll say that, yeah, that's absolutely important to be able to, um, you know, give back in that respect and be able to kind of show them an example of how, you know, women's hockey can grow and how women's hockey can become a professional enterprise uh, like we've always kind of dreamed of, Um, you know. And for me, having covered women's hockey for so long, I look at it a little bit differently in terms of, I mean, growth is always a great goal to have, um, but being able to see these these athletes as athletes and being able to talk about the game and talk about um, the teams and the players in terms outside of just what it means to have them be role models for little girls. Um, you know, I think we're finally sort of getting to a point where that is um, where that's more of a focus and that's something I'm really, really happy to see, but I don't think we're ever going to lose, you know, that whole idea, especially because again, the league is still so young. Um, I don't think we're going to lose sight of, uh, you know, that, that aspect of, of growing the game either. Do you have anything else, Carl, or do we want to move on to, uh, get, to, get to, uh, some more preview in a little bit? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was hoping to to talk about the the game itself and the players. Like you said, we gotta we're talking about you know athletes here. It's not just about the growth of the league or the growth of the sport. It is a championship match, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Are you looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Well, then you gotta try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for stars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And now you don't need to wait around for a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right, you can head to the nearest Walmart today, walk up to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Bill Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or you can head to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box with flavors like brownie batter and churro. You will thank me later. 
So let's start getting to, uh, you know, as, as we get ready to close, you know, to get into this last segment, get to expectations for this game because it's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready. It's champion. It's, it, it's, you know, a championship hockey, um, you know, listeners in here, they're getting ready to go to the, go to the arena by the time they're listening to this. Uh, and it's there. Go. Let's, let's get to those expectations. Oh yeah. Um, I think they can really expect a fast paced game. Uh, both of these teams are very speedy. Um, I think in terms of the white caps, uh, the key for them is not to get too overly invested too quickly and kind of lose sight of, you know, the fact that it is a, a 60 minute game. Um, but, uh, the white caps are very fast and they're very, um, you know, their transition game is excellent. Uh, as I mentioned, Jonna Albers is probably one of the best in the, in the game in that respect. She can really take it to you, but there are other players who have really stepped up as well. Natalie Snodgrass is very good as well. Um, Liz Shepard's is a great face-off specialist. Um, but I think the key for the Whitecaps is in net, and that is uh, Amanda Levier. Amanda Levier, former Minnesota Golden Gopher. Um, she's been in the league for a while, uh, initially with the Buffalo Buttes, and then came over to the Whitecaps. She's been with the Whitecaps for, I believe, four seasons now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but she is she's it for them. You know, she's been their workhorse. She's gotten the majority of starts. Uh, she faced a little bit of adversity both last year and this year, um, unfortunately, with uh, some injury. Um, she did miss some time uh, in the regular season, but came back just in time for playoffs. And she has been a huge part of the Whitecaps' success uh, in terms of, um, you know, just being that rock and that, that they need. She's excellent with her puck uh, um tracking she's excellent with her rebound control she's so like near unflappable in net and she can really put on a show uh for the fans at mullet um in terms of the toronto six um i do love you know i i i love their offense uh Brittany howard is probably one of the most dynamic forwards uh, who has come into this league this year. Uh, originally, she was in the PWHPA, came over this season, and she, especially the first half of the season, she lit up the league. She, um, scoring goals left and right, she can score in pretty much any situation. Um, you know, power play, penalty kill, even strength. She can score gritty goals. She can score highlight reel goals. She's so much fun to watch. But it, again, it's not even just her. Um, the, Offense for uh, Toronto is so stacked with so many amazing players. Michaela Kava is also wildly creative with the puck. Uh, Teresa Vanishova, uh, Dominika Laskova. Um, you've got uh, Cheyenne D'Archangelo, the captain, who is uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, two-way center in the league, um, who does so well on both sides of the puck. Uh, and I think one thing that you're really going to um, notice, again, as I mentioned, Geraldine Haney has been focusing on team defense. You know, this team has completely bought into the idea of shutting down their opponent. Um, you know, everybody getting back, everybody blocking shots, everybody getting sticks in the lanes and trying to really protect their netminder. And when they can't, Elaine Shuley is one of the best. She's a 
Uh, she and Levier both contenders for goaltender of the year. So this could be a tremendous goalie showdown between those two. Both of them are so technically sound. Both of them are so amazing to watch. Both of them have the capacity to steal a game at any given time. Um, and I think that it's going to be extremely interesting. Um, again, with love, you know, and both of them have that kind of, um, storyline of, you know, kind of overcoming some adversity, you know, Olivier in terms of her injury and being able to come back and kind of be the hero for her team. Truly, again, being part of a team that has kind of gotten so close, but not yet. And being able to overcome that and win and win an Isabel Cup for the first time ever and bring it cross border for the first time ever will be absolutely huge. Um, so those two, uh, goaltenders I think especially and I'm I'm a huge goalie lover um so I'll I'd probably say goaltending regardless but um I really I really love both of these goaltenders and I think that both of them will definitely um amaze the fans at Mullet today so I'm on the I'm on the stats pages and Dark Angelo stood out to me uh for faceoff wins 45 faceoff losses 19 mm-hmm. that is insane like not only is she taking that many face-offs but she is winning at a over two to one like ratio that is insane how how does that happen Uh, she's like i said she's one of the best if not the best in the business she's so strong on the puck her puck control and and protection are excellent and like i said she is so smart on both sides of the puck she is somebody who you know, she's often the first back in her zone and, you know, she is really strong in the neutral zone as well. She forces turnovers um, as well as, you know, is really great at recovery. So she's a lot of fun to watch. I think a lot of people kind of sleep on her because she's not necessarily the highest scorer on the team, but she is also really good at scoring those clutch goals. Um, so she is definitely somebody who is so important to the six lineup. Absolutely. Um, let's get to, I guess, I want to hear a prediction because I, I, I love hearing people's predictions. Um, it's because it, it could go so many different ways and a lot. And cause Carl and I have talked about just hockey being a really dumb sport in which literally anything can happen. Yes. Um, but let's, 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 let's hear something. I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've watched hockey for almost 20 years and I can definitely say it's a very, very uh, interesting sport in that respect. I think it's probably one of the only sports that can be completely unpredictable. Um, and it's so funny because Erica and I were both talking about how hard it is to predict this game because it can go either way. Um, I think... You know, just having watched both teams all year, um, I have watched the Six a little bit more than I have watched the Whitecaps. But um, I think that whoever wins this game is going to be the team. I it's it's really difficult. I think that whoever gets the the best start is going to win this game. Um, and that's not necessarily to say that one team can't necessarily come roaring back because. The Six have had slow starts and overcome them, and the Whitecaps have fallen behind and 
kind of taken it down to the wire. So both of these teams are really good at that. Both of these teams have faced those kinds of challenges throughout the season, and they have sometimes succeeded, sometimes not. Um, I think in terms of just what we see on paper with, you know, matching up the offense, the defense, and the goaltending, I do see this being a Toronto 6 win. Um, I do see the the cup crossing the border for the first time. Um, and I, I, I don't think that Minnesota is going to take it lying down, though. I, I do think it's going to be a, a very close call. Um, and if I'm wrong, then that's hockey, baby. Like, it's just, it is something that you can't really, you know, look in a crystal ball about. But I do have a really strong feeling. I think that Toronto is going to, now that they're here, they're not going to let the opportunities pass. And like you said, it's it's a winner-take-all match. It's just one, like, anything could happen. It's the end of the season. Why yeah. not leave it all on the ice? And it'll be a way to see just some absolutely awesome hockey yeah. um, on some, what many have said, some of the best ice any people have ever skated on. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We uh, had some words with... Um, uh, Erica actually spoke with uh, backup goaltender Carly Jackson, who uh, I think some people already know is the the uh, we've said the mullet at the mullet because she's notorious for her bleach blonde uh, flow. And uh, she said it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure anybody at Mullet who's watching um, warm-ups will see her doing her famous little spinny around the ice. And she said it was great for that. So <laughs> she's very excited. I know a lot of other players are really excited. Um, and I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that you'll probably see uh, a little bit of nerves, I think, you know, in the first couple of minutes, I think on both sides because of that, I think a lot, you know, both teams are just going to be kind of caught up in the moment, but, um, you know, whoever recovers first and kind of gets that first blood, so to speak, I think is going to, uh, is going to take it. So. That is great to hear. Well, the Isabel cup is tonight, 6 PM local time, right here in Arizona, right here at the, the mullet arena. If those, that. Those that are unable to show up, those that live maybe live outside of Arizona, uh, you can tune into that on uh, on ESPN too. If you on a state side, I believe uh, TSN. If you're uh, in in Canada, but uh, Angelica, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you. Where can everyone find your work and follow you? Yeah, so I'm in a few places. Um, so uh, I am at Reina de la Isla. That's R-E-I-N-A-D-E-L-A-I-S-L-A. -E -I, -E I spell it out because a lot of people spell it wrong on Twitter. Um, and uh, you can find me at the Ice Garden. I cover the Buffalo Buttes. Um, I also do columns and analysis uh, throughout the PHF. And uh, I'm also at Black Rosie Media as part of the Founding Four podcast alongside Erica L. Ayala, who is a long time uh, and one of the best broadcasters uh, for the PHF, uh, if I do say so myself. We um, love Erica. Yes, Erica is fantastic. So shout out to her. She'll be there again uh, on location and in Tempe. So follow her for everything. But that's where you can find my work. Um, I also have a Patreon. You can find some links uh, on my Twitter for that. And uh, yeah, that's where I'll be. Fantastic. Angelica, thanks again, once again, for coming on. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Locked on Coyotes. 
Hope you guys liked what you heard. If you did, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if you have yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. And get there and interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash locked on coyotes. On Twitter at LO underscore coyotes. I am personally at Robin underscore Leano. That's Robin with a Y underscore L E A N O. Carl Pavlock is at five. Howling. You can interact with us, ask a question you might have, we might answer right back or in a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Thanks again everyone for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy and don't forget to howl on. <laughs>